The issues discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast do not reflect the opinions of any specific agency. Any characters discussed on this show may be fictional for comedic value unless you're a shitbag Steve. This podcast is rated explicit and listener discretion is advised. And welcome to the Roll Call Room podcast, the podcast that pissed shitbag Steve's off and fucked over my dad. And now your host and my daddy, Nick. Out of the night that covers me, black as a bed from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my uncomfortable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of fate, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears, looms but the horror of the shade. of the years binds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Roll Call Room podcast. I am your host, Nick. I am uh, super pumped and super happy to have on the one, the only, the Chief. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Super hyped to be on with you. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, full disclosure, i uh, watched your, your videos and your TikToks, man. I absolutely love it. Uh, gives me a good laugh, which is exactly what this podcast is about. Um, so... Thanks for doing what you do, and um, you know, how'd you uh, how'd you get started with uh with your social media and stuff? Well, I started, um, you know, probably about two three years ago when I was when I was still the chief of the apartment where I was at, and um, I started out with just putting out some reviews, um, just some basic information, trying to get into it, just just to find a, another niche. You know, when I retired, because I knew retirement was coming up. Mm-hmm. So um, I started putting out some videos. Um, I, I really didn't get into my comedy and stuff, and, and my comedy is was more like um, like a learning type of comedy. You know, it's supposed to it's supposed to be one of those like, hey, I don't want to be that type of an officer. Okay. You know, yeah. you know, you, you do stupid stuff on the street. 
scream on the radio, you know, just, you know, not in a bad way, but just to show you, just to show the officers how they look, Yeah. you know, when, when they're doing that stuff. Um, but I really couldn't get into that uh, when I was on the job, you know, because being a police chief, um, having people look up to me. And even when I, when I did do one video like that, people would say, oh, I can't believe a police chief is, you know, um, you know, putting out content like that. Or even, my, even some of my pictures, they would say, I can't believe you're on, on Instagram. I can't believe you're on YouTube. You know, and it, it was just like, um, you know, I got to the point where I just stopped doing it. Then when I fully retired, gloves came off and I just started doing what I want. Yeah. I know that feeling. I just left the, uh, I just left my agency and I feel like the muzzle has been re released so yeah. I can say what I want and do what I want. Um, uh, so how long, how long were you the chief for? So I was the chief for four and a half years, um, at the department right outside of Chicago. Mm. Um, I mean, so we were busy, we had our, we had our stuff and just like any police job, it's a lot of administrative work, you know, a lot. I, I try to be on the street as much as possible. Um, but, people just don't get how much pressure, how much stress, you know, and just, just stress just from the job. People just pulling you from every single direction, mm -hmm. wanting favors, friends on the job, yeah. you know, just expecting favoritism. Um, it, it's just for four and a half years, I, I, to be honest, it was, it was a very, very tough. And, and the, the hardest thing I would say is holding your ground, mm -hmm. you know, you know, just keeping to your morals, keeping to um, what your objective was when you take the job and not deviate from it. That is the hardest thing because you're going to have people threaten you. You know, um, if you. I lost you. Hardest things of the job is just, just, just keep really keeping your ground and, you know, and just sticking to what your, um, you know, why you took the job, you know, and besides that, the job was easy, but, but dealing with the politics, dealing with the public, being able to complaints, dealing with the officers, um, you know, that, that was probably one of the hardest things in the job. And, and, you know, I, I've been posting a lot of stuff on my Twitter page about police chiefs not standing their ground, mm -hmm. giving into politics, that San Francisco um, police chief, you know, giving into the politics for that blue lines mask. I, I, I just don't get it, man. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like they forget where they come from. Do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, I have my opinion and I'll tell you mine after. Do you see that becoming more and more of an issue? Because I don't remember this when I first started in the profession 20 years ago, I don't remember chiefs being this political. Uh, is it the, is it the climate? Do you see it getting worse? Yeah, I think it's with that, and it's a lot of um, anti-police groups, um, a lot of uh, community organizations. They think they should have a voice within the department, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and I get it. The community you're serving, the community they're 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 who you you are sworn to protect. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, the police chief should be making the ultimate decisions. You know, the mayor and the police chief. But it got to the point now where it's like they're so worried about um, the vote. Mm -hmm. To get voted, you know, the mayor getting voted back in. Um, if the police chief makes a mistake, it's automatically replace him because yeah. they're 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 chanting, "Hey, let's 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 remove the police chief." And of course, the mayor bows down to that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's just it's getting worse and worse. 
Yeah. And we're seeing a lot of that. You know, we, we dubbed it here paper on the show. We, we, we dubbed it paper leaders in a rainstorm, which is, is that you're getting a lot of paper leadership, um, weak leadership. And then COVID is a prime example of that. You see, uh, these peacetime chiefs and commanders that are not used to making tough, tough decisions. Now an epidemic breaks out and they just, they can't handle, they can't ha- handle wartime. They can't handle yeah. a tough, tough situation of, you know, an epidemic, you know, not having enough PPE gear, um, political pressure, public pressure. Um, and you're seeing that more and more and more. And it's interesting that you brought up San Francisco because, um, there's that one going on. There's the Broward County Sheriff right now. Yeah. Um, that is like, that is blowing up. That guy, I'd venture to say that guy's going to step down pretty soon. <laughs> That's just a bad. Did you see the pictures that floated yeah. around with him? Yeah. Yeah. That's he's, a bad fucking a, day, man. He's having a bad week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, when you, when you wake up, yeah, when you wake up and there's a million fucking text messages going, dude, what is up with the picture of you and your wife with this naked couple? Like, what the fuck? Like, you didn't think that was going to get out? Like, what the like. I've seen so many Chiefs get in such bad positions. You know, look at Chicago, um, Eddie oh Johnson. Oh, God, yeah. You know, I, I've i dealt with him before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spoke to him a couple times. I've met him at, at um, a couple IACP conferences. Mm-hmm. And a great guy, but I, I just didn't ever feel that he would fit that role. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, but then again, I never even knew that he was – that type of guy on the outside. Yeah, yeah. You know, no. just <laughs> he got jammed up bad. Then the lie of the mayor. Yeah, yeah. And, How long did he think that was going to go on? And then he called for his own independent investigation against himself. Like, what did? You, how did you think that was going to fucking turn out? You didn't think that they were going to find out about the chick in the car? Yeah. Like, <laughs> or at the or at the, the what was it at the restaurant where he was at? Um, they hit him on camera buying yeah. drinks. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought yeah, he's. He was, he was, I feel bad for those officers that came up on him in that car because that puts yeah. them in a that puts them in a rough spot. Yeah. Like, Luckily, they had it on body camera and they did everything right, you know. And, and it's just like any, it's just like any call, just like you. It's your pretty much your decision if you want to give him. Um, unfortunately, it's the police chief, but it's really ultimately your decision if you want to give him a breathalyzer based off of your initial asset. You know, I mean, your. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they didn't. Assessment. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't that time. They, they just were yeah. like, hey, let me get you a ride, you know? Yeah, they, yeah. Well, apparently he took off and drove to his house. What? I didn't hear that. Yeah, if you, you didn't watch the video? No. So when he woke up in the street, um, he jumped up and then he drove to his house. And that's where they stopped him in his driveway. Oh, see, I didn't know <laughs> so that. He was already home. <laughs> that's bad. That's fucking bad. Yeesh. And uh, to lie to the mayor of all things, I mean, that's just in Chicago, man. That's just that's just bad, 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 bad. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Eddie in Chicago. So, your chief, um, what what was the biggest thing that you saw from newer officers that were getting themselves jammed up? What advice can you give the new rookie officer that's sitting in a cruiser right now, listening to this podcast? Man, just keep your head on a swivel, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much pretend like you're being recorded all the time. If yeah. you don't want to see your, if there's something you're doing that you don't want to see yourself on TV, don't do it. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's the easiest way to keep you out of trouble. If you're doing something, if you're on the job, if you're dealing with something with, you know, everyone sees these use of force videos, they look bad. And and um, if you don't want to see yourself doing something, I mean, use the use of force. Of course, it's within your policies. But I mean, if you don't want to see yourself on vi- on video, just don't do it. Yeah. Now, um, in your agency, when you were the chief, I would imagine that there were a lot of internal investigations or there were internal investigations. What were what were some of the things that you would look for uh, at the completion of an internal investigation to determine whether or not you were given this person? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we did was uh, when they came in to fill out a complaint on an officer mm-hmm. or just if it's a complaint against an officer, one of the ways we were able to eliminate a lot of false complaints where we would tell them, you know, fill out your complaint and then go out and get it notarized. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back, you know, it's pretty saying that everything you're saying is true. If it's not true, you'll be arrested for filing a false police report. And to be honest, that eliminated about half of the complaints that came in. That's incredible. And then a lot of the other complaints, they just felt that they were just cheated, treated improperly. They weren't talked. They weren't spoke to right. Correct. You know, they, they felt they should have been, um, you know, treated or spoke to in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was a lot of the major complaints. Yeah. I remember being a supervisor. The biggest complaints that I used to field were people not liking the way that they were spoken to or not being told what was about to happen. Those were the two yeah. big major complaints. You're about to get arrested. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, you, you just robbed a store, but what's about to happen? Yeah. You're about to get arrested. You're still supposed yeah. to say thank you, please, and all that other shit. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there is actually a department out here in the Chicago area that they, um, they say have to say thank you. They what? have to say I, they treat. Uh, I think what they call their suspects customers. Come on. Yes. Come it's on. It's a very uppity. Yes. I couldn't it's a very do it. uppity I department. If I you're from do. a Chicago area and, you, and you're a police officer, you you know what this department is. I don't want to put them out there, but I yeah, couldn't. they treat everyone. Yes, customer. Yes. What? They don't even do their own reports. So what they do is they have a they have a um uh like a voice recorder uh-huh. and they you know they talk into it they send it over to dispatch and dispatch types it up for them. What? Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> That's bougie. I can't. I couldn't fucking do that. I couldn't do that. Yeah. Customer? No. Yeah. No. 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 And, yeah, I, and I know. It's, it's funny that you say about internal investigations because in Virginia there's so many dis- jurisdictions where I'm where I'm from. Um, there's only one or two that I know of that charge for filing a false internal investigation uh, complaint. So it's interesting in Chicago. Well, ours would be an actual, actual be an actual report. You know, just like if you're filing a report, if your if your bike was stolen. Oh, so you guys actually um, do a full report for a complaint. So it'd be an actual report. Interesting. Yeah. So then, so that's going to be filing a false police report. See, we don't we don't do that up here. We. Uh, Internal investigations are handled separately from an actual report, a police report, which is really stupid, yeah. really not smart. Um, oh, I know. Yeah. And it depends on who's who's investigating as well. Yeah, yeah. Internal investigations has to have the utmost integrity, and the people up there have to be unbiased. Uh, yeah. And I've learned from experience that sometimes that's not the case, uh, which is Most of the times, yes. it's yes. not the case. Yeah. It, it's like you're— you're guilty until proven innocent. You know, it, it, they take your badge, 
you know, it, it's. <laughs> I just went through this. I just went through this. That's the reason. The reason why I'm laughing is, is when you and I first uh, communicated through Twitter and I, I was like, hey, I'd love to have you on the show. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? And you were like leadership. And I was like, nobody on this, none of the fans are going to believe that I didn't put into the the chief's head to talk about leadership because I've been beating this into the ground for several weeks since I've gone through leaving my agency about poor leadership. Nobody's ever going to believe that this guy, this is what this guy wanted to talk about. So when you wrote me that on Twitter, I literally shook my head and I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be awesome. Uh, because I think it's a necessary thing to talk about leadership, especially now. You know, it's just so sad how how bad it's got. I it's mean, really a bad. lot of departments, a lot of great departments that I used, to, you know, I used to deal with. It's just like I talked to their chief, and they're just like, "No." I'm like, "You didn't even try." It's yeah. just I got a police, I got a suburb right by me, um, right outside, right where I live. The chief is the biggest freaking coward. I mean, he bows out to the mayor. Mm -hmm. He doesn't literally, and he came from Chicago, mm -hmm. the biggest deal. I mean, and it's just like, what was he, if he was that bad, if he's that bad as a police chief, imagine how he was as a commander or whatever case may be, whatever his title was in Chicago where yes. he was administration. Yeah. And then he comes out here and he's just collecting a paycheck and he just says, yes, ma'am, all day. Yes. It's sad. And, and I'll tell you, I think you look at the, you look at the suicide rate for cops Last year was the highest it's been. This year it's trending to be even higher than last year. And and the correlation between poor leadership, poor supervisors, poor commanders, and mental health for, for, for law enforcement officers is it's a direct correlation. It's it's I've seen really, really good chiefs. I've worked for a couple of really, really good chiefs that you'd run into the gates of hell for. And yeah. then I've seen chiefs that are just morale suckers. They're just they're cancers. They're, and it's sad because I think more than ever, our profession has gone through such a transition over the last five years between Ferguson and Baltimore and all these other things um, that if you're not a really, really good commander in these times with these younger kids, and I call them kids, coming into our profession, I don't think you're going to see 20, 25-year officers anymore. I think no, you're going to see just five years and bounce out kind of kind of revolving door. Yeah, and it, and it, it's like they don't, they don't even have your backs any day. You know, it, it's like it's like a beef comes in. Mm -hmm. it, it's they make you look like a bad guy. Then the community gets in on it. Yep. Um, so much information is getting out now. You know, where it's like an officer is afraid to do anything. Yep. I mean, just just imagine getting into an incident. You don't want to pull your gun because you're afraid of what's going to happen to you and your family. Yep. Yep. You know, it, it, it's getting really, really bad. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I got on, I got on social media. I, there's so many departments I could have got on when I left, you know, just part-time helping out. But I just felt like I was just only helping out a small group of people. Right. Being able to voice my opinions and whatever I want on, on social media seems like I help out much more. Yeah. You know, um, I, I get hundreds of DMs a day just on Instagram. That's not even Twitter. They're asking for advice. Yeah. Um, Paige, even even people saying, hey, chief, I'm having a bad day. I don't think I'm going to make it. Yeah. You know, just suicidal thoughts. Yep. It seems like I can help out so many more people mm -hmm. doing what I'm doing on social media than I, I'm doing and helping out our own, you yes. know, like you know, police mm -hmm. officers, you know, not people who complete strangers. 
and it, it just feels like I don't want to take a part-time job as police chief, police, not police, but just a police in general, because I won't have the, my voice anymore. It yeah. get taken away from me. Just like them, them officers wearing the blue line flags. Yeah. I, I got, uh, man, that's, that's, that's incredible to hear from you because we've had this podcast for seven months. We have over a hundred thousand today. We reached a hundred thousand, uh, listeners and, I get the same thing as you my email and my inbox message. I've got tons and tons of emails from officers that were close to the, to the, to the end or have attempted it and about to attempt, uh, attempt suicide again. And I, I have said to my family numerous ta- times, I feel like I've saved more lives with this podcast and the platform mm-hmm. that we're on than the almost 20 years I've been in this profession wearing a uniform and we're saving our own. That's the, that's yeah. the thing. Isn't and it crazy? It's so crazy. I get I get people do the same thing that they do to you, which is is this is the deal. I'm having a problem with my chief, and this is what I'm having a problem with. How do you think I should approach it? And yeah. it's tough because a lot of those scenarios I've been through, um, and I, I, a, a few of them I've chosen the wrong path on how to deal with it. So it's kind of humbling to to give advice keep them away from the landmines that I've, I've done myself. Um, so, but I mean, it, that means a lot for them to reach out to you because I mean, obviously they can't reach out to anybody else in your department and it's obvious that their department is the problem Mm -hmm. and for them to reach out to you. And then also like, like I say myself as well. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, my wife tells me all the time, she's like, what are you doing? I I sit there for an an hour, respond Mm -hmm. to every single DM if I get a hundred, 200, whatever the case may be, um, I'll sit there and respond to every single one. Some take longer, some take less. Some I just, uh, um, you know, a little heart, Yeah. but every single DM or tweet or whatever I get, I respond to every single person. You're exactly like I am. And I, and it almost takes a life of its own, especially the social media side is, is I'm, I'm bouncing from the gram to Facebook, to Twitter, to, I haven't tackled TikTok like you, man. I, I <laughs> like I legit just started my TikTok account. I'm just petrified to d- jump into that pool. Like it's the biggest. It is. I, it's if you're looking for that exposure. Yeah. TikTok will give you that exposure. Like I working with Safe Like Defense, mm-hmm. which which I'm with now, uh, body armor company. Um, I get so many messages from there, so many emails just um, from TikTok. TikTok. You know, I, I think that Instagram is is great for some people, mm-hmm. but um, if you're looking for the maximum exposure, TikTok, TikTok is a place to go. Man, and you got that. You know, how many how many subscribers do you have on TikTok? So I'm at a hundred. I just hit a hundred twenty thousand followers. Jesus, man, holy yeah. shit! And that was literally in four months, four or five months. Fuck. Yeah. I just take whatever video that I get put on uh, Instagram or, or Twitter. I post it up on um, TikTok, TikTok and then I'll I'll add some here and there, some goofy ones, and um, and that's pretty much it, man. They they love them on there. Damn. I guess I'm gonna have to. All right, you convinced me, man. I guess this weekend that's what I'll be doing. I... And there's so many officers on there. I know, so man. many police officers. I worry about some of them with with some of the stuff that they do on TikTok. I just think the climate that we're in, and we're talking about poor leadership, is, is I think. A lot of the other problem is, is that we have a lot of dinosaurs in a digital age right now that just don't understand yeah. social media and don't understand that it's actually making an impactful, positive view of law enforcement. I think a lot yeah, of them are man. like, and, 
It's bad. And man. I've been noticing that. So with my position with Safe Life Events, I'm the um, sales executive. So I handle all like law enforcement and government accounts. So I deal with pretty much only sheriffs, mm -hmm. chiefs, or somebody in the position to make a position to make a purchase. So I talk to probably about 10, 15 chiefs or sheriffs a day, Damn. you know, and listen to some of their mindset. Mm -hmm. It's just like mind, but they're like, we don't want Molly because we don't want to look like the military. We don't want, you know, we don't, I'm like, what are you, are you, are you, are you trying to save your officers health wise for their back? I mean, there's so many benefits yes. of having Molly on taking it off your belt and put it on your, your, your um, vest, but they just don't get it. It's the optics. That's what yeah. that, that used to drive me in my agency when I would hear a commander tell me that we couldn't do something because of the optics. It would literally bring chills up my back because I would I would go. It's not optic like it's just the public wants their officers to be safe and the officers yeah. want uh, they want to retire standing upright like we're talking about body armor. We had to fight tooth and nail in my agency to get out our carriers. You'd have thought yeah. like we were asking for like, you know, lime green cruisers. It was, it was tough, man. It was tough. And even after we got those things, man, the the Molly system they wouldn't allow us to put like our taser on there for the first three years. They wouldn't let us put our magazines on there. And then they yeah. regulated what what Velcro name tags you can use, and you couldn't have an American flag. And it was I was like, what are you guys doing up on the top floor? Are you guys just fucking thinking of shit left and right not that we can't do? It was it's crazy, dude. Crazy. And and that's the thing. If if they'd have just like took a poll or just like hey at a at a at a, a board meeting or a community meeting or something like that, just say, mm -hmm. Hey, what do you guys like? This or this? At a beat meeting. Yeah. You know, and it's just like they might they might see that the community might like that. I don't think the public really knows what happens behind the curtains in in law enforcement. And it's not just my it wasn't just my agency. This is across the United States. It's like even to grow beards like shaving mm, policies huge. is huge right now. Like before I left my agency, they just after 150 years, my agency was 150 years old, just changed their shaving policy in January to allow beards. Look and at tattoos. Tattoos. I, I'm covered in tattoos. I see. I see you are too in your videos. And our one of our chiefs, not the current one, the one before him, got a bug up his ass and made us made a policy that you either had to cover him with a long sleeve shirt or those goofy ass football fucking sleeves. You know those uh, neoprene sleeves. Yeah. yeah. And this happened for an entire summer. And in Virginia, it's fucking hot as hell down here man it's like the fucking temperature of the sun yeah, and uh yeah. i had to wear long sleeve shirts or those goofy fucking sleeves that was the worst summer of my life i stayed in the cruiser yeah. almost all summer i was like fuck this it, i'm not coming out of the cruiser. some of them get a bug and it's just there there's a department out here um just about a couple miles from me and one of the officers drove by uh, a citizen screaming for help apparently he had his windows up he didn't hear him so he kept driving Citizen called 911. I seen the police. I was screaming. So you know what the chief, this knucklehead chief came up with? Because the mayor came down and he says, now every police officer has to have their window cracked at least two inches no matter what the weather is. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I can't make this shit well, up. Well, you know, talking about those goofy football sleeves, I got to tell you how that came about, bro. So 
the chief was at McDonald's eating, and he saw that that McDonald's to tackle the tattoo issue because McDonald's uniform is only the polo shirt. They don't yeah. issue long sleeve shirts. So the way that McDonald's tackled it was is they they bought their employees those goofy sleeves with the McDonald's logo at the bottom of it. And yeah. that's how he got the idea for the fucking goofy ass football sleeves to cover up tattoos. Hey, you're lucky he didn't go to Hooters. <laughs> you guys would have had band-aids all over you. <laughs> well, well, it's funny that you say that because if you have a piercing that's not approved in, in my former agency, you had to put a band-aid over it. You had to either take it out, take it out, or put a bandaid over it, which looks ten times goofier than just leaving the fucking thing in there. Like they don't get it, man. No, dude. It's and you know, you know that they had probably fifteen fucking meetings about those goofy sleeves. Yeah, you know that, that took that, some people lost some sleep over that. Believe that. Dude, yeah, they put some captain involved, like in charge of that shit, and that guy was sweating bullets the night before the vote. Like he had different colors. <laughs> he had different sizes. Fucking lost. Imagine the guy had to write the memo and then just take the heat for it. I know. Uh, it, yeah. And there was one captain that was in charge of it, and he got blamed for everything. He was like, it wasn't even my fucking idea. I just got Yeah, told. see? It's crazy. And then, you know, it's like when I took the chief job, I, I, I thought it was going to be like the top dog. Like, yeah, I'm the man. You know, I, <laughs> I do what I want. You know, man, it ain't even like that. No, I not even close to like that. I don't envy. I don't envy the chief position or the sheriff position. Um, it's a thankless job. It's a lot. I would imagine it's a lot, a lot of hours. It's a lot of. It's a lot of stress yeah. on you. It's a lot of stress on Very. your family, and you know you're always the bad guy. Like in the end, you're always the bad guy. When when something goes wrong in the agency or the department, they're like, "Well, fucking chief or the fucking sheriff." That's the reason why it is what it is. And sometimes yeah. that's not the case. Sometimes you have a really, really good chief, but the but the breakdown is from below that chief to the ground level. In between there yeah. is where the breakdown is. Like when I left my current agency, that's exactly what I told my chief. I said, Your problem is is that your commanders are working against you. Yeah. They don't they now, did you retire from there or you just left? I left. I left. Just left. Oh dude, it it's such a long story. It's I I left. I, w- I was with the agency for 14 and a half years. Um, uh, had a, a commander that was just an absolute morale sucker. Just destroyed my mental health. Just destroyed my health in general. And uh, went to the chief and I was like, listen, I can't work for this person anymore. And they didn't do anything about it for seven months. And I was like, all right, I'm leaving. So I left the yeah. agency and I was gone for two weeks and I missed it. Like I loved the agency. And I was a sergeant. Yeah, people... They, like people don't understand, like, they'll say, like, how do police officers commit suicide or just anyone in general commit suicide? People understand, like, I, my last year on the job, I got to the point where my stress levels were mm-hmm. to the max. Mm-hmm. And your body just feels like it's it's beating you up inside. Mm-hmm. And the only way to stop that is to come up with them thoughts. Yep. And when I start coming up with them thoughts and start having them thoughts, I knew it was time to leave the job. Yep. You know, and probably just like you, you start getting that that re- real bad stress, that anxiety, mm-hmm. where it's just like your your body just. I, I can't even explain it, but I could see it if I continued with that job or in that path, and just like any other officer who committed suicide, if you continue in that path, them thoughts come, and the only way to stop that pain is to is to off yourself. Yep, and you I know, and you need to find a vent. 
Yeah, and I was I was there. I mean, last May was my. I mean, I remember it's May twenty fifth, twenty nineteen was my my breaking point was, and I, and I don't hold any punches. I've told this on the show before was, I was at that point. I I had been through so much with my agency, and I thought that was the that was the worst was May twenty fifth. But from then all the way up until three weeks ago when I left the agency has just been an absolute living hell, just a living hell. But since I've been gone from there and separated myself from it, I could the only way I can relate to the the only thing I can compare it to is, is a very very abusive relationship. When you get out yeah. of it, you just realize how abusive it really was and how much you compromised your mental health for the love of the job. And I don't yeah. hate the profession; I just hate the agency. I just dislike the agency. Because when it's not run correctly or you have poor leadership, those shifts suck, man. They suck. If yeah. you work for somebody that's really good and takes good care of you, I'll work 48 hours straight. I, I don't care. Yeah. But when And you're going to treat people a lot better, oh, totally, too, as well. Man, totally. You know, you get officers who, who are just so disgruntled with the job. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you get in trouble. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and the command staff doesn't see that. A happy officer is a better producing officer. Yes. You know, that's that's the bottom line with any job. Yeah, I mean, I I, I teach a peer support class uh, for roll call room, um, and we talk about like this this pyramid right now, where it where at the top of the pyramid are our citizens, and at the bottom of the pyramid is officer mental health. And we're at a point right now in our profession where you need to flip that. And unfortunately, the citizens have to be at the bottom of the pyramid because if the officer's mental health isn't right, and they're not firing on all cylinders. What kind of product do you think that think that they're going to give the public? It's going to be a yeah. shit show. Uses of yeah. force, rude and discourteousness. I mean, all oh. mindsets not on the set on the job. I well, mean, just, just imagine you get into a mindset into a domestic dispute, you know, and you get there and your mind isn't on that job, hundred percent focused on that situation. Yep, you're going to make some very wrong decisions. They're going to get you in trouble and your department in trouble. But administration wants to keep treating their officers like crap. Keeping them bad hours, mm-hmm. bad equipment, bad training. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do they expect from their officers? Yeah. When you were the chief, uh, how how difficult was recruiting for for you? Uh, it's not it's not easy. It would. It's not hard. It's just finding quality the right candidates. I, you know, my I was able to pretty much handpick my officers. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was very lucky. Not like most departments. Um, but so for me, it was, but here in Chicago area, Chicago is always hiring. Mm-hmm. A lot of departments always hiring police officers. You know, Chicago hires a couple hundred a year. Um, suburbs are always hiring. If you go on the thin blue line website, there's probably 15, 20 um, departments hiring on there. Um, we have part-time officers in, in uh, Illinois. So a lot of officers who work another job field mm-hmm. will work part-time as a police officer. You know, so there's deal. a lot of opportunities. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think for us down here in, like, Virginia, Maryland, D.C. area, we just have a revolving door right now. It's just, like, 22, 23-year-olds, they come here for two, three years, work, and gone. Just not, yeah. not staying for 20, 25 years, man. It's they not... don't see the—they see the job completely different until Absolutely. they get on the job. And that's one of the main questions I get, you know, from officers. What do I expect— you know, from a job, you know, what, what do I expect when I go into the academy? You know, what do I expect when I get out of the academy? You know, um, or even ask me, uh, well, I took this in college. 
I was this in high school. You think I'd make a great police officer. Anybody will make a great police officer as long as you dedicate yourself 100% yes. to the job. Yes. You know, and, and commit yourself to the job. Mentally, you can be a great police officer. Yeah, mentally and physically. I think I yeah. think the physical aspect is, is I think a lot of officers, once they get on. They doubt themselves. Yeah, yeah. And that and they just don't take really good physical care of themselves. They start, you know. They stop going to the gym, and, and I get it, especially the ones that work overnights. That's a that's a dumpster fire shift. I mean, there's no yeah. great way to work midnights. Just sucks. You're old. It, you're old the department should be giving them some kind of like fitness equipment or time during their job. There's departments on here where they'll say, "Hey, lunchtime, you guys come back in the station and work out." I mean, firemen work out all day and sleep. I mean, you know, sleep all day. Yeah, when they might be at a point shopping. now where. I mean, that's the only option they have. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I don't. I think some agencies do it, some don't. Our our agency that I left used to let you work on your lunch break, like work out on your lunch break, and then they stopped it because they were worried about you getting hurt working out and then having a worker. So you're in Virginia, right? Yeah. So imagine the Virginia State Police taking their their (laughs) physical, um, I would say, policies and incorporating into most departments. There'd be a lot of unemployed officers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I think more, more departments should, should, should grab onto those standards. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. you know, I mean, probably half of Chicago would be gone. Yeah. But you're saving their life in the long run because you look at some of the videos that have surfaced of, you know, Chicago PD officers getting into fights with, with suspects. You know, some of them are a deuce or a tray. You know, they're, they're, yeah. there's big boys and big girls, you know, like. You got to sell vests for a living now. Uh-huh. I s- yeah. See a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of cells. yeah. That's a lot of spiders you got to kill. I don't or, yeah. I don't know. Do they make how do they make vests? Is it spider webs? No, I don't know. For what vests? Yeah. It's, like, no, they're Kevlar sheets. Kevlar. That's a lot of fucking sheets, man. <laughs> that's a lot. Seven XL. Seven XL. Yeah, at, and we sell a lot of them. At some point, you need to fucking put Chipotle down and. And go get a fucking <laughs> iceberg lettuce or something, you know. It's just years and years, you know, of just like putting yourself to second, you know, your your fitness second. Nah, I had a belt buckle rule, man. I always kept it the same belt buckle, and the moment it started getting tighter was when I started working out even harder because I, I refused I work out even more now, dude. I refused to change the belt buckle. I refused. <laughs> I was defiant. Like in this. Dude, I would I would get dressed like after like Thanksgiving. I'd have to lay down on the ground to get that fucking that that gun belt on. But you're fitting it in there. But I'm fitting it in there. But that whole fucking ride for that shift, whoo-wee, that was that was rough, man. I was like, fuck. It's like the other day, Saturday, I blew out my back, so I had to wear a back brace. Um, Sunday and Monday. Now I work out five to seven days a week, but I, I just do a lot of heavy lifting, but I had to wear a belt brace and I had a, a roll sticking out the top. And I said, Oh, hell no. <laughs> I, I'm starting my intermittent fasting on Monday. It, it's like, I'm sitting down and it was just like protruding out. It, I was just self-confidence man. is gone. This is gone, yeah. man. That's just gone. I was wearing bulky shirts cause I didn't want people to see my role. <laughs> That's self-motivation right there, bro. <laughs> So I'm gonna be doing some serious working out next in week. The sauna. I'm, I'm already working out. Yeah, yeah. My, that my old fasting will start. Getting old is a bitch, man. 
telling you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh before we uh before we wrap up, um what's the what's the great advice that you can give any chief out there um that's listening to this podcast? I highly doubt any chiefs are listening to it other than transcribing it for uh, administrative purposes. <laughs> but uh, what's the advice that you can give any chief that's either not in good graces with their rank and file or just about to take that position of chief? What's the great advice that you can give uh, to them? I would say just stick to your guns. You know, look back to where you started, mm-hmm. your mindset when you started, and you continue moving through the job. And all the things that you wanted to make them changes. You know, while you're going through from patrolman to sergeant, commander, um, and just think about your guys, the changes that are needed for the department, and not just the changes that are right then and there, but the changes throughout that could affect, you know, um, in a bigger, you know, um, pool, I would say, and just try to stick to that and don't, don't change it. Don't, don't, um, don't give in to anybody. Um, just, uh, just stick to your guns, man. Yeah. It, that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. I think, I think a lot of chiefs need to hear that, which is, is don't deviate from your, from your mission, from your legacy. Yeah. You your know? ultimate plan. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, when you leave there, they're going to be talking about you. Good or bad. To come. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good or bad. And, and the, you want it to be good. And the and the life and the shelf shelf life of a chief is very very short. In the, it's in four the years. Yeah, that's that's in, that's crazy. Four years. Yeah. Damn. Anything past that, man, you're a super trooper. Damn. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine making it past two years. And the, and the first thing you're going to learn on the job, the first year, that you can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have friends that you start the position with. They're going to be your enemies. Mm-hmm. You know, and people that you felt that were your enemies are going to, you know, they're going to become your friends. It, it's, it's, it's crazy how the universe changes when you get this job. People that you thought that didn't do anything because you worked in a different shift, you know, um, you're going to see that these guys were the, you know, the producers, you know, they great make right, make, they do great reports. Yeah. You know, it, it, a whole lot of things change because now you're going to be working internally. You're going to be working more with them personally, seeing more of the paper. Um, you know, so a lot, a lot changes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I think this is going to be good for everybody to hear, uh, anything that you'd like to shout out there and plug for, uh, for the listeners. So if you guys are looking for vests, all right, safe life defense, not only here at safe life defense, do we sell vests, we help you, you know, put together a proposal to your police chief. A lot of, a lot of police officers will say, Hey, you know what? I want a vest but they don't know how to approach your um, police chief. The best way to do it is put together a proposal. A police chief wants to see something on paper, the pros and cons of what's this going to benefit, um, how they're going to benefit. Um, don't just walk in there with a vest and say, we need this vest. If you guys need that assistance, call me at Safe Life Defense. If you guys are looking, you don't have a vest. Safe Life Defense has a guardian program where you guys could, um, you know, if you can't afford it, you know, write in what, why you want it, what you need it for. And they give away three to 10 vests a month, three Damn. to 10 vests a month. They give away, you know, also two is, you know, um, they do a lot of other giveaways as well, you know, giving back to the uh, law enforcement community. Um, so if you guys need any assistance with vests, any gear, any, anything, reach out to myself or Rick 
and um, we'll help you as best as possible. You guys do canine vests? We don't do canine vests yet. Okay, all right. But Just... we are we are looking at it. Nick is a huge uh, – Nick uh, is the owner CEO of the company. Um, he is a huge canine lover. Okay. So I foresee in the future. I know that. I know yeah. I'm going to get an email about that. That's why I ask. I, 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 yeah. I, I could foresee. I know our fans. I know what they're going to ask. So um, how could they get a hold of – like how do they find you on uh, social media? So I am on every single platform except for Facebook. If you see me on Facebook, that's because somebody put my stuff on there. But my name is the chief across all platforms. Um, so if you need to get a hold of me, um, Paul at safefightdefense.com, shoot me an email. Uh, my phone number is on my Twitter page, on my Instagram page. Call me, text me, smoke screen pager, whatever way you possible, get a hold of me and I'll help you out. Okay. Uh, and, and his screen name on all social media is... D Delta Alpha Chief, so it's Delta Alpha Chief, not the Chief. Yeah, not Cause, the. Because cops, duh, duh, yeah, Because cops can't duh. spell and we can't count, so those are two That's things. That's why I went with duh, D A. Yeah, it's <laughs> they'll still fuck it up, man. Come on, you know, you know how it goes, bro. Well, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been uh, a blast, and uh, love to have you on again in the future, my friend. All right, brother. Be safe, man. All right. You be safe, man. Take care. All right, folks. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Do you want to help the Roll Call Room podcast keep going? Of course you do. Join Patreon and pledge to the show each month. Tiers start at $5, and you can get some pretty cool shit with it, including swag and access to listen to episode clips early. So put that Starbucks coffee down and help my dad keep the show going. Don't be a fucking Steve. Go to RollCallRoom.com to pledge today. <laughs> 